Welcome to Karate Kid Master Dojo. This is Master Craig. Hello, everybody. How you doing today? In case you're joining us for the first time, I am Senior Master Craig Greca. I am a six-degree black belt in the universal martial art and a fifth-degree master in the Do martial art. And we're here today to talk to you about the teachings and trainings inside the Karate Kid universe. And today's example comes to us straight from the next Karate Kid. Now, I had a difficult time finding a correlation on this one. Um, the next Karate Kid, also known as Karate Kid Part 4, um, has a barn scene um, at the monastery. Um, the monastery part of that movie is my favorite part. I don't know why. Um, that's just how I am. I thought, I thought it was the coolest thing. Um, but anyways, there's a barn scene where... Um, Hillary Swank's character is uh, walks in there, and um, the monks have the sandbags that are hung by ropes that they swing at her to teach her awareness. Um, also, too, later on in the um, in the movie, uh, Mr. Miyagi is using it to teach her footwork in martial arts as well. Um, and that was the closest thing um, out of the movies that simulated an obstacle course, okay? Um, sometimes um, in the Cobra Kai series, um, the Miyagi-Do Dojo um, has some little features that the students could use for parkour, um, kind of like that um, floating disc that's in the pond um, that's in Miyagi-Do is also kind of a obstacle in, of, its, of itself. Um, because um, we um, are talking to you today about obstacles, okay? Obstacle course training, um, but mostly our work task today um, will be paint the obstacle, paint the obstacle. Now, um, a little bit of history on this. Um, I'm an avid American Ninja Warrior fan, and I've watched almost every season for the past 10 years or so. Now, before that, I always had an obstacle course in the woods behind our childhood home in Michigan. I used logs and rope to make lashings um, to build stuff because I didn't have um, the construction equipment or the knowledge uh, or the money back then. I, used, uh, I was just a high school student and a little bit of a college student when I was doing this. And I would use lashings to build, um, you know... Uh, climbable obstacles um, and I would have ropes hanging from trees to swing and I also invested in some rope to make a, uh, a pulley system that I could uh, pulley across the woods with. Um, so I had kind of an obstacle course in the backyard. So I've, I've always been interested in obstacle course training. Um, so seeing the American Ninja Warrior come out, I watched it when it was in uh, Japan first. And then of course, when the American one came here, I became an avid fan. And as I said, I know all the characters, I know all the, uh, all the people, all the athletes that, that do it. Um, I'm a big fan, so I, I follow it. Uh, but nowadays, um, I don't build obstacle courses with lashings. I build the obstacle courses or obstacles out of 2x4s and 2x6s. And I use construction screws. Okay. Now, today's topic is not about the building of said obstacles. It's about painting them. But in order for you to understand where these obstacles come from, um, I have to explain it kind of first. So 
Um, in my studio now, um, it's a lot of fun to build something out of nothing. And I, an obstacle is used in our martial arts studio. Um, and uh, one of the things about, one of the challenges about the obstacles being in the martial arts studio as opposed to being um, in your backyard, which this topic is also geared for as well, for uh, parents and teachers, martial art teachers that make uh, obstacle obstacles uh, for students um, in their backyard so that they can uh, practice uh, their obstacle course training skills. Um, but in the studio here, I have to make them so they're all um, have like, they're all flat on the bottom and they have uh, wood on the bottom so that they don't puncture holes in the mats and uh, like support beams so they're very flat. And then I put rubber on the bottom in order for them to um, to be mat safe so they don't ruin the mats. Um, so it's kind of a challenge in that. Um, um, but uh, I do that so that the mats don't get scraped and that so they can last a long time. Um, now, uh, at my studio, I have a American Ninja Warrior class. Now, this is a great class. Um, I recommend um, uh, uh, martial art instructors to try this sometimes because kids really like obstacle course training. Um, we have an American Ninja Warrior class once a week. Um, they've talked about doing, wanting to do two of them, um, but I, I do it in a specific way. Um, some people, when they first come into it, uh, we have some people that uh, join the American Ninja Warrior class that aren't part of the martial art program already. Um, I always recommend that they're part of the martial art program already. So like if they come once a week or twice a week or three times a week already, then they're a perfect candidate for the American Ninja Warrior program. Uh, the American Ninja Warrior program is I have in order to, to for kids to do obstacle course training. And also, too, I integrate martial art movements with their American Ninja Warrior training. Um, also, too, I try to make them a stronger athlete. So uh, make sure that their upper body gets stronger, their legs get stronger, their core is stronger um, in this class. So um, that's the reason behind the obstacle course training, mostly because um, I really enjoy it. Um, the students see that I really enjoy it, and therefore they, um, they also enjoy it as well. Now, even in the normal martial art class, I still have, I still have a little bit of obstacle course training. So once in a while, I'll pull out one of the American Ninja Warrior obstacles that we have, and then I'll make all the students uh, try it uh, as part of their uh, gauntlet bag training, where we have the bags set up, and they're kind of going through the bags, uh, doing uh, combinations on them. Uh, I'll integrate one of the obstacles um, in that, uh, that, op that uh, run-through uh, so that they can work on their obstacle course training and work on their coordination, agility, and strength. So... Um, once you have your obstacle built, so everything we've been talking about so far is leading up into the, the building of the obstacle because you have to have an obstacle before you, can, um, before you can paint it. So the work task today, and this is for kids and adults alike because a lot of times the adults will build the obstacles because they have the construction knowledge and they handle the equipment, the saws, the, the um, um, power drills and all that stuff and the screws. Um, once the... the um, obstacle has been built, then you need to make sure it's sanded properly. Okay, so uh, I've had my dad, my daughter uh, sand stuff before. It's not as easy as it looks with a, um, 
with a um, power sander. It is uh, takes quite a long time to get it to be uh, for all the edges to be sanded down and for everything to be uh, uh, sanded uh, appropriately. And as I've said in a, a previous episode, uh, you want the obstacle to be as soft as soap. So you want your wood to be as soft as soap so that when the people step on it, um, it um, doesn't scratch them or um, hurt their foot or anything. So um, I usually use a brush or spray paint um, uh, for these obstacles, but lately I've been doing spray paint a little bit more. Um, it just seems to be faster sometimes um, and sometimes a little bit cheaper. Um, with the paint, it's, I've always used leftover paint that I have from other things um, and the brush and I would just simply go out there and brush it. Um, but it always takes two coats to do the brush and it takes two coats to do the spray paint. So lately I've been buying a $3 can of spray paint and just doing it really quick. Um, whatever one you do though, you do a side-to-side -side motion. Okay, so just like in the Karate Kid, um, when he does paint the house, he does that side-side motion. We'll talk about the martial arts significance later on that. Now, when you um, are painting your product, it just so happens that I painted an obstacle before I came in today. Um, I painted these steps, um, I call them the medium steps, and I painted them a grape color. Uh, we have steps that are bigger and angled, they're blue. Then we have the medium steps, which are grape color, purple. And then we have these little tiny ones, I call them the, the small silver steps, which kids can work on their accuracy of landing on the little step. Um, so I did paint them before I came today, just right before I came up to record. Um, but then later on, I'm going to have to go back and do another coat because usually you have to do multiple coats when you paint an obstacle. Okay, you make sure there's no runs. So you want to make sure you have nice, good coverage, but you want to make sure that you do a nice, even coverage. And this is something that I showed my daughter recently because she spray painted something. I showed her how to, um, when you take the spray can, how to, when you get to the part where you want uh, painted, you press the button. And then when you're past that point, you let go of the button. Okay, and that's actually, it's not as easy as it, as it, as it, as it seems, uh, especially for kids just learning this. Um, I, I've done it many years, so, but I can remember when I was a kid, I kept on missing. I kept on pushing the button at the wrong time, and I saw my daughter making the same mistakes when she did this as well. So um, it does take a little time to learn how to do it, okay? Now, the, the funnest thing about painting any obstacle or any, anything is the dry time. You have to allow proper dry time. And this guy right here is not very patient. So a lot of times, if it's out in the hot sun here, usually I can get away with four hours of dry time and I try and paint it again. That's not always good with certain things like stains, oil-based stains and stuff like that. They need 24 hours to dry. But I um, try and push the gamut on when I do projects trying to get them done. Um, you got to make sure you do both sides. So if there's something that needs to be painted on both sides, you got to make sure it's painted. Um, and then one thing I do here for an obstacles um, and all the things I have here at the studio, the handrails, everything. Um, I put a layer of clear coat paint afterwards. So I go to Home Depot, buy a, a, a can of clear coat, whether it's like a semi-gloss or sometimes I do a semi-gloss most of the time, make it look pretty good. Um, sometimes I do a matte finish um, and then some, occasionally I'll do a glossy finish. Um, but you pick whatever finish you want and then you put a clear coat on there. Now I do that so that when when hot when sweaty feet get on there it doesn't uh, um, the paint doesn't get messed up and it doesn't uh, you don't end up taking a little bit with you each time to wear them out 
um, and then it gets on the floor in the studio. So I just try and put a, a layer of clear coat on everything uh, just to make sure that it's all sealed up and ready for, for work. Now, um, one thing nice about Florida here is we have the, uh, I call it sun dry time, okay? So after an, after an obstacle has been completely painted, uh, two coats, and you've had the clear coat on, then it's the sun dry time. So I usually let it bake out in the sun for a good 24 hours, okay? Then after that, because it gets, it, it not only does it dry really good, but also too, it kind of gets rid of the smell um, of painting so that when you bring them into the studio, it, just not, it doesn't start overwhelming the place with uh, paint smell. Um, so and it just seals it up good and conditions it and gets it ready for, uh, the only thing that stinks is in the summertime here when it's rainy every day, I gotta watch the weather report to make sure it doesn't rain on it, but. Uh, um, then also too, part of the work task with making obstacles for your martial arts school is that you go and you, um, you put a coat of the rubber stuff on the bottom. Now, I'm kind of cheap. I found a way to do this, and it's actually an idea that my brother had um, that I borrowed with for him over the year, that I borrowed from him over the years. And that is, the, there's a stuff that people use in industry called cove base. Now, cove base is like a rubber. Um, it's usually put as trim on the bottom of a, of a wall to make it look a little bit more professional. So when you mop, you mop against the rubber. Um, in this school right here, I have wood trim all around the school. Um, so it's kind of nice. I don't really have the rubber trim. But the last school, uh, last two schools I've been at had the rubber trim, um, the cove base. And in some cases, it was missing, and I had to add it to it to make it look more professional. So I buy a strip of that. It's usually like a buck or two. Uh, so it's really cheap. And then I cut it with a knife um, and then just apply it with uh, uh, some kind of liquid nails on the bottom um, to the obstacle to make sure that, it, that the contact points are... Um, or keep it from scratching the floor. So, um, but remember, if you're making these stuff, this stuff at home, you may just uh, keep it in your garage or in a lanai or in a shed, and then you don't need that rubber on the bo bottom. You just simply pull it out and then you dust it off and put it away when you're done. So, uh, parents and instructors, you can build these kind of things at home. Now, I have a lot of steps in the school. I have some ramps. Um, I have some fence jumps. I have uh, parallel bars, I have monkey bars, I have rings, I have a rock climbing wall, um, I have a, a climbing wall itself, we have to climb over it, it's about five or six foot tall. Um, looking around here in the studio, that's what I got. I have a couple balance beams in the back, um, and a whole bunch of those angled steps for uh, the quintuple steps. Um, so, oh, I plus I have some at home too, I have the body prop at home as well. So almost everything at the studio here doubles as a Ninja Warrior obstacle. In fact, uh, the one thing, we have the thing holding all the air shields. That's not really an air shield holder. It's actually a Ninja Warrior straight ramp. But I build it as a straight ramp, and I just, one day, I'm trying to figure out, where am I going to put this? And then I figured out that the air shields fit inside of it. And I'm like, wow, the air shields fit inside of it. Perfect. So all the kids think it's an air shield holder, but it's not actually. It's supposed to be combined with the angled ramp, to be a straight ramp, angle ramp, and then you would uh, get down from there. So anyways, the martial art practice for paint the obstacle is as follows. Doing a knife hand strike or back fist strike slow, okay? So you can do those techniques slow, do the knife hand strike 10 times slow, do the back fist strike, and this is a lot like the motion you use when you're spray painting an obstacle, okay? So you're reusing the muscle memory that you learned in that um, work task. 
Also, too, this is a little exercise we do at the, at the studio here called inward and outward block together. So from here, you can do outward block, then inward block. Outward block, then inward block. Outward block, then inward block. And this simulates kind of the side-side motion that you would do a more practical approach to blocking with that motion, okay? And that works that side-side motion that we were talking about when you spray paint or brush paint a obstacle. Now, I was thinking about today about the, the kick component. What can we do for a kick that would be similar to that motion? And, and there's a fun drill that you can do. And that one is the reverse swing kick, swing kick. Okay, so the reverse swing kick, swing kick. So you take a reverse swing kick, um, in other martial arts, it's called a hook kick, and then follow it with a, a swing kick or a roundhouse kick. Okay, Those, that's what they call them in Taekwondo and Karate. So um, you can do reverse swing, swing, reverse swing, swing, reverse swing, swing, and it works the motion. It helps you to understand the motion a little bit. So that's, that's kind of fun. Plus, it works on balance and strength. Okay, now... Um, and talking about the the uh, next Karate Kid today, um, I was thinking uh, about uh, the training in the barn, and I just uh, it, it would be so cool, I think so cool to have a martial arts school in a barn. Okay, that's just me. Maybe uh, that's something that only I think is cool, but I think it would be cool to have a, a barn with a loft, um, and then be able to have obstacles um, like I do now obstacles on the bottom floor and obstacles on the top floor including integrating the loft as a rope climb down i just think that would be so sweet so i thought about that today and i'm like wouldn't it be so cool to have a barn dojo a barn dojo okay now you don't see very many barns around here in um in florida except for maybe in the more in the middle of the state the middle of the state has more rural area than the uh than the coast too but in any case um Parents and instructors out there, okay? When you're making making obstacles for kids, I made a little uh, subtopic here. When you're making fun obstacles for kids, what you want to do is you want to first um, imagine it. So imagine what you'd want to teach or have your kids have fun with at home. What would be a cool obstacle, okay? Um, it doesn't need to be something really big either. A lot of times, like one of the students' uh, parents here made an eight-foot warped wall. That was a big commitment. That was a big, big, big obstacle. And the problem is, is that once you have that obstacle, where do you put it? Where do you store it? You know, you need to have some property or a barn to put it in. You know, so in my house, it would be simply be in the backyard, and it would be uh, under the sun. You know, uh, you know, twelve months out of the year, so uh, it would get dull burnt up and rained on and everything else. Um, then you need to, I usually draw it. So after I imagine it, I draw it, put my ideas to paper, okay? And I'm pretty good at, um, I don't do like official drafting. I do kind of like my own uh, chicken scratch kind of drafting. But I usually, every time I've imagined something and, and drew a, a blueprint for it, I was able to build it exactly the way I drew it. So, um First, you have to imagine it, draw a blueprint for it, and then build it, okay? So it, uh, a lot of times I can figure out to the board what I need from Home Depot and what I need. So I put down like a package of two and a half inch screws. Um, I put down a clear coat of paint. I put a couple cans of spray paint to color it. 
I have um, the, the how many two by sixes or how many two by fours I need. Um, and then I buy the cove base too. And then I go home and I, I, I figure it all out. And in, in, a, in one day I have it built. And then in uh, two, two days after, um, I have it all completed and ready to bring up to the school. So dry time. Once again, the dry time kicks your rear. Um, so anyways, when you're making an obstacle, after you build it, you got to make it safe. So make sure it's safe by making sure you sand it really good. Make sure all the edges are, are filed away so that the kids can't scratch themselves on it. Make sure all the screws are, are in all the way so that they can't also scratch. Now also too, uh, when you paint stuff for kids, paint them in bright colors. As I told you before about my steps, I have silver steps, purple steps, and blue steps. Okay. Now I could have made them all the same color and a lot of things at my studio are blue because it's one of my favorite colors, a bluish purple. Um, but you have to mix it up too. I have a couple new obstacles. They're painted red. Um, sometimes, a lot of times, primary colors work good, but it's whatever color um, that the kid wants. Okay. In fact, <laughs> not a big fan of this one, but the warped wall that the one kid made—it's like a, a really yucky green color. <laughs> it must have been something they had left over they didn't want, but it was a yucky green color. So I was like, I wasn't too happy with that color, but. Um, they talked about giving it to me, and I'm like, oh, that's repainted. Anyways, um, after you've um, after you've um, painted it a bright color, you need to use it and have fun. So once it's been done, then it goes through the. It's going to get worn out. It's going to you're going to have fun using it and all that stuff. You're going to use it, have fun with it. Okay. Um, so today, this we have a secret word every day, and if you tell us the secret word, uh, we can. Um, give you discounts on our brand new t-shirt and our upcoming Karate Kid Master Universe merchandise. Uh, today's secret word is dry time. Dry time. So that's always the fun part about built about painting an obstacle is the dry time. So remember that every week we're here to learn karate and we're learning it in order to fully learn it you have to unlearn your misconceptions about what constitutes training. Sometimes you got to do a little bit of work to build those country strong muscles in order to do your martial art training, plus the muscle memory like we talked about earlier. Okay, Muscle memory and these work tasks, you're getting stuff done and you're doing your martial arts training at home. And that's why we're here. We're here every week learning martial arts through everyday work thus creating life around you, increased productivity, and a better world. I hope you guys enjoy the rest of your day and enjoy the rest of your week. This is Karate Kid Master Dojo. This is Master Craig. Take care, everybody. Have a great day. Bye-bye.